Welcome back to Big Content. Jack, I'm Nicholas. Today, we're going to talk a lot about uh, monetization, which we've been doing a lot on the show, which I think is important because creators want to get monetized eventually after a lot of patience, hard work, showing up every day. YouTube Shorts is now giving you an easy way uh, to make a little bit more money. So we want to talk about YouTube Shorts coming out and saying that they will start monetizing that part of their platform come February. We're also um, answering two questions that I think are going to be fun to answer. What's the best ways and worst ways for a creator to go about monetization? And then Scott asks, is there a max size you'd both want to see your teams grow to, to avoid becoming big media? I think that's really interesting because there's, again, a, a a romanticization of like bigger, 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 mm -hmm. better, more money, faster, mm -hmm. whatever it is. I think you and me probably look at this similarly to the point where it's like, I don't, oh, I don't think that's the answer all the time. I think a lot of it goes back to like, we build this or I built this to be like a lifestyle brand so that I can kind of do what I want with my life and enjoy my life without getting, and I failed on this part, overstressed while doing it, but comes with the learning curve and bigger and better is not always, is not always the answer here. So it'll be fun to kind of like jump into those things. Bigger and better in this market surely is clearly not the answer given the layoffs. We'll talk about fear in the market, brands cutting budgets, Q4, uh, all this type of stuff because it's real. You know, like people wanted to be creators when money was fruitful, opportunities were there. Like you said earlier, no one wants to cut their rates. That might have to be. So we'll discuss all that. Where do you want to start YouTube shorts? I want to start with YouTube shorts. This one is super interesting because YouTube, while they don't pay a ton, I think a lot of people have this unrealistic expectation of how much you get paid by the platforms. And I will, I will always be the first to say monetizing based off the platform itself, like YouTube paying you through Google AdSense will always be in my opinion, the single worst way for a creator to monetize and the single worst way uh, or the single least reliable way for a creator to make a living. Really? Yes. Why is that? The money is small, right? If you're making enough money in order to, and we, I mean, we've touched on the topic a little bit, but like if you're making enough money to really make money off of these platforms, that means you have an audience. Mm -hmm. If you have an audience, you're going to get paid more. You're going to make more by going straight to your audience, mm -hmm. by selling something to your audience, by working with brand deals that want to attach themselves to your audience. Cause you could take a much bigger chunk than YouTube is going to take out of it. There are very, very few people that are downright, just straight up full-time content creators. Like, Hey, all I have to do is make three really fun YouTube videos this week. Yeah. And I know at the end of the week, my bank account, there's going to be another $4,000 in there or some yeah. shit. Very, very rarely happens. There is money on YouTube AdSense to be clear. Sure. Yeah. 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 You get paid for it unless you are someone who is putting out weekly videos, probably anywhere from, you know, two to probably four. And those videos are getting six figure views mm -hmm. every time they touch down. You're probably not going to be a full-time content creator, which is why it's like, that shouldn't be your goal. Cause those are out. Like you see a lot of people that can do that, mm -hmm. but the percentage realistically of people <laughs> yeah. that do that, it's one in yeah. a million probably. Yeah. So I think that's a, a poor way to monetize because you can monetize much better with a much smaller, like I've talked about, like I probably had between five and 10,000 subscribers when I basically went full time mm -hmm. between YouTube AdSense, between working with brands, between selling my own product. If you can mix and match different types of monetization, YouTube shorts is really interesting though, because they have the ability to make your video randomly pump off for 2 million views, 5 million views. Right. You're a perfect example of that. Someone who went from, you know, a smaller YouTube channel, you guys are over 200,000 now. Mm -hmm. What are your, some of your higher performing 
video views when it comes to shorts. <laughs> Not even like the actual content, yeah, just yeah. like numbers. No, 48 million views. You had a 48 video million video. 48 million views, yeah. That's going to be significant money. So I think this is a perfect conversation. Our monetization got denied. So we cannot monetize currently because our content is repurposed content. So it's not original content Ooh, to our own. And, got him. <laughs> and so I I was not I don't want to say I wasn't expecting that. We don't we're now creating long form content, original content on our stuff, but the stuff that's killing it in the algorithm is this repurposed content, which we knew. So I'm not I'm not tight about that at all. We haven't made a dollar off YouTube since we started the company. It is not a revenue stream for us yet. So there will be a point in time where maybe the returns on these repurposed pieces of content aren't as high. We're still gaining 1,500 subscribers a day. You know, if that drops to 100 subscribers, shorts aren't blowing up, that will probably be when I'm like, all right, let's go delete all that content and let's post strictly original stuff, go monetization and, and try to make some money off this. But for now, it's just like, let's build that channel. Up. Yeah. If you could find a way to slowly merge the two and yeah. then you have original content getting, you know, 48 millions outrageous. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's but if you were getting 48,000 yeah. per, which is 1% of that yeah. off the top of my head, that might be less than that 0.1% or something. That's, <laughs> that's, sig- I mean, we can go through. So like, for example, our, uh, our YouTube stuff, we do super Madden bros, which is like our, you know, video game content Casey and I do that gets a thousand views long form. Right. So, so we're start, it would have gotten 200 views or 80 views. You know, the returns aren't crazy yet, but you know, we're starting to build and we post once every two weeks or once a week. It's not enough. If we wanted to go full on YouTube, we could, and doing it with a base would be easier. Now it wouldn't be straight one-to-one conversion. Like it's not the greatest subscriber base in the world, but we could build now before there was no, there was no point to building because you know, we were kind of capped. So in September of this year, just to give people a, a starting point for like monetization if they were to convert. And the monetization for YouTube shorts will probably be much lower than it would be for normal YouTube videos. I don't know the exact numbers. I don't think anyone actually understands how the money is paid out <laughs> for YouTube anyways. But in September, our channel collectively got a 1.1 million views. That was an estimated revenue of about $4,500, 4500 wow. We also probably get demonetized on maybe half of our videos. Okay, okay. If I had to take a guess at it, but that's the point here is one, the normal person is not going to go out and rip a million views in a month. Two, if you are someone who will rip these YouTube shorts at a very high level, maybe you didn't have a lot of success doing so on regular videos, but that's significant money. If you're kind of coming from nowhere and getting like, that's 1 million views over the course of a month. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about if you put out, but I don't know if monetization will pay anywhere near that. No, 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 it won't. It won't. It definitely will be significantly less, but 1 million views on shorts is significantly easier than normal YouTube videos. So even if they pay 10% of that payment, that's $400, $500 right Mm -hmm. there. You could probably get five to 10 million views on YouTube shorts, even if you're starting tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So this is one of like the very few avenues that I'm actually high on when it comes to platform monetization for this. So if, if you weren't already on YouTube shorts, like the virality of it, our highest viewed uh, video on this channel, big content. And I haven't put out too many YouTube shorts, but I think the last one we put out went over 5,000 views. Right. Um, every other video long form is like 200, 300, 400 views mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's 10 X right there. It's the growth stage is, is super, super obvious. I mean, we've been talking about TikTok, YouTube shorts. We are literally living examples of blowing up on TikTok, blowing up. On yeah, YouTube yeah. Shorts. <laughs> yeah. If you need another reason, this is it because the monetization starts in February. This is a real path to monetization for users. It'll only get more 
busy, obviously, when money is involved. And it feels very much like TikTok. Two years ago, everyone knew TikTok. Gary Vee's banging the drum, get on TikTok. And like, I didn't take advantage of it. And I kind of wish I had at least a, a little bit. And so if you are listening to this and you want to create, go get on YouTube Shorts right you now. You know what's crazy? If you ask 100 creators what their biggest regret was, mm -hmm. ever, uh, maybe 99 of them will just say, I wish I had started sooner on this platform or just in general. Like if I asked you what your biggest regret mm -hmm. as a creator was like, you wish you started on TikTok earlier. Yeah. So, so do I, that would be my biggest. I regret. wish I could dedicate. I still think I could do well on TikTok, but I just don't dedicate, you know, like I, I would go in and same thing. If I were doing YouTube shorts, I would go in with, I do YouTube shorts or I do TikTok because I don't, I kind of do everything yeah. and it hurts, right? Because I posted to IG Reels, YouTube shorts, TikTok, and I just wish I could go all in on TikTok. I, I think that's the, like, if you're starting today, I would like, most people have this idea in their head that they're like, I'm a podcaster, I'm a YouTuber. It's like, you, you gotta scratch that entire ass idea right out of your head and say like, I make YouTube shorts, I make TikTok. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's the idea. That's the only way to grow right now. But I, I do think most people regret not starting earlier. Mm -hmm, so if mm -hmm. you're not there yet, like most people have not started on YouTube shorts. So you're, you're ahead but of it's the game. Ne it's never too late. No, no, no. Never too late. Except for maybe Facebook's a little bit late. <laughs> no, Facebook's still popping. Like, That's bumping. a crazy thing. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know enough about Facebook to like speak on it, but I've yeah. seen, yeah, like plenty of like videos and stuff with evidence to back say we're yeah, growing. People really make money off Facebook. I don't know who's on there, but someone is and someone's watching. So it's never too late. Go ahead. Go, go get started. Let's talk about the market. Let's talk about the current market. So crazy just market sentiments. So Speaking you, of like Facebook and Meta, I think they just laid off 13% of 1,100 employees. 1,100 employees down at Meta. Imagine that being 13% of I the know, workforce. That's, that's pretty, people. <laughs> that number, I was like, oh, uh, wow, 10,000 yeah. plus people. So, so you got Meta layoffs. I mean, literally every tech company has laid off 10 to 15% of you know their company. Must, you ever think about... Um, just like a doing a, like firing my brother and doing a press release. Twenty five percent of <laughs> snapback so, employees are laid off. No, I just mean the general idea of running a, a big company. That's yeah. That, that scares the shit out of me. Yeah, you're like in your own world. You know what I mean? Like uh, th that. No, when that, you don't. I think when you don't know employees, that's when. That's why that's scary. It's a different level. Well, it's like, okay, 13% is 1,100 people. Let's just say like times that by nine, whatever. It's almost like 10,000 employees. Yeah. Like you are your own world. Like Mark Zuckerberg is like a king inside Facebook. <laughs> like you guys are in your county. own bubble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you have little fires over here and you have little fires. I'm thinking about like, I just watched a new season of Game of Thrones and there's like little subplots and little storylines going yeah. on and narratives happening on this island, on this island. It's like, oh, the workers are revolting here. Oh, someone keeps like, there must be insane things just happening inside Facebook. Well, think about like any HR situation. Oh, right? there's he's like a not crazy holiday about, party over here. Yeah, he's yeah. not thinking about or hearing about anything, mm -hmm. you know, on employee 1,000 or below. But uh, so ton of layoffs. You've got crypto crazy things in the crypto market q4 we're in the midst of it but it just feels like as bad as the market is it's only gonna get worse it feels like yeah it, the, the problem with today's landscape and then by the way it's not a finance podcast the point is we'll talk about creators and what this means i mean with news and media you can't it's so hard to actually understand what's realistic right now because mm -hmm. you can you can find people that are creators that will tell you like no we're not really in a recession if you look at these three data points and this is what you need to be looking at right. you'll find a video 
where it has that just as many views, just as many thumbs up that has literally three data points that are nothing to do with that. And it's like, no, this is why we're in a recession. And then you'll have another one. that will be like, this is why this recession is going to be the worst one of all time. You know, mm-hmm. there's no, it's so hard to actually believe what's happening right now. Like, I don't know if we're in the middle of a recession. I don't know if we're in the beginning of I, a big feels, recession. The one thing that I'm always going to do, at least I'll try and hold myself to it, is like get a feel for the people, right? Stay on that ground level as much as I can. And it just feels like there's nervous energy. The rent's going up. Prices are going up. Well, that's the thing. Jobs. Like people are losing jobs and money's coming down, but everything, the money's, the, the prices for everything are going up exponentially. And where too. will that land us? Like, I think it's just lagging behind. Like, I think there will be, I don't know if it's a big event. I don't know if it's a slow kill. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm not. definitely personally, I'm nervous yeah. on a few levels, like personally and, and for the business as well. Like I'm not in a spot to be worried about anything right yeah. now, but yeah, I, I agree with you that I'm a little bit worried that it's lagged behind and this stuff will take a year where it's like, okay, these layoffs are happening because we're not getting paid as much, which means like the companies that would normally pay us are tightening their grips on exactly. where they want to spend their budget. And if you're not in that one, it, it kind of like, it tightens it back to the way things should have been. But mm-hmm. the fact that it swung so far to one side of the pendulum means that it'll have to probably swing back to the other side before it equilibrates. Same thing with like working from home versus working in the office where mm-hmm. it's like everyone worked in the office before COVID. COVID happened, everyone worked at home. And then you have the middle ground where people are like, oh, there should be some kind of hybrid with this. That's kind of the way the economy, I feel like, went during COVID. Now we'll go back because there was so much money out there. And yeah, that will leave us in a little bit of a vulnerable position. But that's also why I so heavily like want people to understand that you need to be cutting out as many of the people that you rely on in an mm. economy like this. If you are, but, but selling products, right? Like that's going to trim margins. That will, right? it, like, it will always, yeah. I mean, it's going to trim, it's going to trim margins. Less people are just going to buy the product overall. Less people are going to be consuming, especially in an entertainment business. Like mm-hmm. maybe they're looking for an escape, but maybe they're like, I have real life things to worry about. Like I'm not really paying attention to as many fantasy football leagues or whatever. Like during COVID when football almost didn't happen, mm-hmm. we almost like lost our, you know, 85% of our revenue right. off of, of, of a tweet that either said the football season's happening or the yeah, football season's yeah. not happening. So that I mean, was gambling revenue could be down. Like everyone just had money. Stimulus checks were going on parlays, right? And everyone had bailout, bail. And so stuff's going to get much tighter. So the, how, how are you like preparing for this? So I, I'm being a little more cautious, which, you know, we have to balance this, right? Because the best time to grow and scale and win in business is, is this yeah. time. Right. So if you are cash heavy and that's what I'm kind of doing is I'm building up cash reserves and not doing anything too crazy outside of spending 10 grand (laughs) on a suite. But that that's that's kind of I'm now just more aware, like I haven't done anything notable, but I'm more aware of, okay, this could be an opportunity. But we also have to be careful because there's no guarantees that, you know, our our revenue that we did last year is going to be coming through based off, you know. It's scary, too, because neither of us have been through this sort of plummet for uh, money wise. And I'm and we won't really learn from it unless it personally affects us. Mm -hmm. Um, Being cautious is for sure. Saving is definitely the best way to go about it. And this is without a doubt the time. And I I hate that I put myself personally in a position where I kind of went cash non heavy, whatever the opposite of that is cash light. And I don't have a lot of savings right now. We don't have a ton of extra wiggle room. Mm -hmm. But I do look at it like if we can survive this and come out on the other side, we'll be pretty battle tested 100%. And, and we'll be able to survive most things that come our way afterwards. But now is the time because 
there are things that you'd want to invest in that will be cheaper because no one else has the money to invest in them. So if you were someone who believed in like NFTs, all the prices mm -hmm. are shot now. If you were someone that wanted to believe in X, Y, or Z, even businesses like private businesses, if we wanted to raise money, our valuation would be far lower right. than what it was a year ago, two mm -hmm. years ago, which presents a great opportunity for investors. Because mm -hmm. once the economy is back up and booming again, we're going to make more money from the businesses. The other businesses that do survive this will have a lot of money to invest into companies like us. And thus the investors who invested into, you know, things like that. It's, yep. it's a trickling effect. It will be seen over the next year or two years. Um, I'm scared well, for it. I, I think that's important, right? You said if we get through it, we'll be battle tested. Almost, I think to a lot of people sounds like, all right, we survived six months or whatever, a year or two. It could be multiple years. Like this financial, like just insanity has been like a decade. Like, it's been a really good yeah. decade, I feel like. Yeah. Like, it hasn't been a year or two. Like, it's been a long extended period of time. So being conscious of, this could be a while. Like, we could be like this for, for a minute. Yeah, which... Um I Which mean, means go work. I mean, you talk <laughs> about this pendulum, right? The pendulum I saw, at least on TikTok, the trend of why am I working hard? I'm asking for a raise. I'm going to move company, all that to now I'm looking for a job, right? Like this is this is why I think that the great middle part is, is just working hard, knowing that you got to cut your rates in this yeah, market. You got to continue to build leverage by yourself. Mm -hmm. Like that's it because, you know, in the down market, there won't be as many opportunities, but in the up market, you will be the most sought after person, company, brand, or whatever, because they saw you, you'll be looked at as bulletproof, right? Yeah. If you could do it through the down parts, you'll soar during yes. the up parts. Yes. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be scary times for sure. Um, I think someone used the analogy of, um, is it like swimming naked or something? Like, uh, like everyone's swimming with the tide, but, but then, you know, in a down market, the tide washes away and like, you see everyone who's naked or something like, mm -hmm. Everyone gets exposed, yeah. Yeah, everyone gets It's like you're in a good investor when the the market's up, yeah. like everybody is, right? And <laughs> right. You see who's for real when the market's down exactly. right now, who's a real operator, who's a real creator, who's ready to grind when you know, even when you're starting out, like that's even harder because it's already hard to make it as a creator, even in a good economy, mm -hmm. making money, making, uh, making the numbers go mm -hmm. up. That's already hard. So if you could stick it out through the shitty parts, you'll be much better for it on the other side of it. It'll be very, very hard mentally, but like that's, it's the only, it's the only choice you have right now because you can't affect the market. You can't swing the market. You can only play into it and play yeah. through it. I, and I'll say, I'll, I'll throw it to the audience of like, we would love to get a pulse on your feelings as the market, you know, it could just be your day-to-day -day life or it could be as you think of being a creator. If you don't see monetization in the next six months, 12 months as a path, does it make you not want to create? Does it give you inspiration to go and do it because you're just doing it to do it? I'm very curious. Yeah, me too. So Alec asks, what's the best ways and worst ways for a creator to go about monetization while we're on the subject? I listed out like five or six ones. You might have some other ones as well. So we're going to rank our top three ways to monetize as a creator. Basically just one, two, three it up. You start from the bottom or the top? Whatever you want, baby. I want to start from the bottom. I want to build suspense. The third best way to monetize as a creator would be getting a job as a creator. Two caveats. One, they pay you to be a creator. Two, they grow you as a creator. So it could grow your brand. It could actually grow your social following. I think this one is super underrated because we're big fans of 
don't create content for others, we've made it to that point. But I've done multi, I mean, I still do it today. MSG Networks, I've worked with the Game Day, with Whistle Sports, with Bleacher Report. I have a stream tonight. Like, there, it's underrated that if someone else will pay you to be talent that will put you on and you get a paycheck for it, that doesn't dilute your brand, I think that's a positive. That's, there's pros and cons. You didn't think I'd go there, did it, you? it wasn't even on my radar. because Like, I would never be a creator for, <laughs> for another company, but there's, there's really vivid pros. There's really vivid cons yes. in my opinion so if you look but at that's why i was saying the pros are when you're at a certain level the cons to me well, the, are the pros could be like <clears throat> you're getting a steady paycheck while learning how to actually be a creator professionally you're probably learning yep. on someone else's dime you're probably learning about film about recording audio lighting all that stuff and that's like a great way to go about it another pro is the fact that if this is a real company you're siphoning off some of their audience so mm -hmm. you're a, able to build a personal brand without having to start from zero, most likely. Uh, the cons are obviously like sometimes you could have capped creativity. Yep. Like if you're at an actual company, whoever's higher up will possibly step in and say like, we don't want this type of stuff. We don't want this. Even if you're passionate about something, they might kind of cut you off there. You obviously don't have the ability to monetize past what you're already making on a salary. So there's up, uh, there's, there's pros yeah. and cons. And, like and a huge con is you're dedicating time and resources to someone else instead of building your own stuff. But I just think there's a certain point where it's a positive. I'll, I'll specify over time does a really nice job of this, of essentially like letting their people be creators, bar still Barstool too, right? Mm -hmm. That's a perfect example of go and create. You have a steady job. When you make it, if you make it, it's almost like a test pilot to see like, am I going to make it as a creator? Can I get big enough to where I can go do this on my own? So yeah, that's my number three. Well, the tough part about it is like, okay, you're a creator at Barstool and they're paying you, you're one of the better creators, right? And they're paying you a hundred, a hundred mm -hmm. grand a year, 120 grand a year. If you're like, oh, I could do this on my own. Where does that money start coming for you then? Right, like then you got to turn into a business. Yes. You're you're no longer just like a creator getting paid to create. You got to start making your own po uh, products. You got to start doing whatever it is or signing affiliate deals because that's number three for me. So affiliate deals are super lucrative depending on what industry you're in. So basically, the way a sponsorship deal works for the most part is a company will come and say like, "Hey, we want you to do a normal advertisement for us. Make a thirty second. Uh, you know, some of them will be like, "Hey, you do a sixty second TikTok." promote us for 10 seconds in that TikTok. Some of them will say like, hey, I want a downright like video made for us, 60 seconds about our product or about our service. Affiliate deals are when they give you, for the most part, a promo code, right? It could be BDG, it could be Jack, it could be Snapback, whatever. And you promote that code for your audience to use on that platform, service, product, whatever, they get a discount using your code. You get a cutback on or kickback of the money that that company just made. Where in a space, fantasy, gambling, where these companies have a lot of money and they spend the majority of it on marketing and we're a big piece of the way that they market. So for you, Underdog, mm -hmm. I was with them, now Prize Picks, Mojo, companies like that, they will pay you upwards of, I mean, I what's what's like the... Well, DraftKings, FanDuel, 300 bucks, Draft, uh, yeah. 500 for some of the newer sports books. They, you know, if someone signed up with your code. Yeah. So basically the way they'll do it is like, say they have some formula in mind where they say, hey, the lifetime value of a single, single customer is a thousand dollars. And that might be true because people just go on gambling platforms and lose a fuckload of money. So they say hey, each customer we bring on is a thousand dollars. If Jack's going to be able to bring us on someone through his videos, let's let's cut him $200 of that. So they still make $800. Mm -hmm. Jack's like, holy shit, $200 for a single person onto the platform. You guys get a promo code. So you get, you know, it's a win, win, win all around. Um, and if you're in a software related, a tech related industry, affiliate deals, again, 
you can get upwards of $300, $400. Me personally, the biggest affiliate deal we've ever had was $150 per person that we got signed up for a platform. And we got a lot of people to sign up for a platform for that was a significant amount of money revenue wise for us for a full year. So affiliate deals can be great. There's a lot of companies out there. Yeah. Affiliate is sports betting, gambling, fantasy. You've got finance is a huge one. And now Mm -hmm. Amazon, anyone can essentially do an affiliate deal. You post a product with the link, Amazon will give you a cut. Uh, Every industry. Yeah. I would say the highs of the highs of the affiliate deals are very high. The lows can be super shitty. I still have to this day companies reach out to me like, hey, we'll give you a code. You'll get $3 for everybody that buys your product. I'm like, dude, I've gotten like $150 affiliate deals. There's no chance that I would. That's interesting because once you get that you're like, I don't want to do any affiliate for that. But there are people who like with one video mm-hmm. on TikTok could sell a thousand, you know, of one item and, you know, three times a thousand, it's only three grand, but that is still great. And that person couldn't sell, you know, three people in sports betting. So yeah, affiliate is a great model. Number two for me would be sell a product directly to your audience. That could be some version of merch. If you're a bicep <laughs> instructor that is selling a class on, you know, how to lift and make your biceps larger. Uh, Selling product is an incredible way to monetize as a creator. You go direct to the creator. You own. You don't have to do affiliate. The difference between affiliate and selling a product is I can't just spin up a sports book today, so I have to go affiliate. I can spin up a draft guide. I can spin up a subscription service. I can, you know, do all those things. So selling a product is my number two. That was also my number two. I I specifically went with uh, an info product. In today's world, I feel like... uh, you could sell your own product in the form of something physical, but then you have to go through the entire process of you know figuring out what your product is, the blueprint of it, finding a manufacturer that will actually inventory. make it for you, making yeah. sure it's okay. Yeah, having inventory on hand, so you need physical space. Then you need to worry about shipping costs and all the problems that come with that. So info is easy because you can kind of create any single website, and almost every website, whether it's WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, whatever, has like an e-commerce plug into it where you say, hey, I want to make this a product. Here it is, and they'll give you the ability to shoot out a PDF or write private blog posts or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that was my number two as well. It's so simple if you're able to, again, it goes, but for me, it goes back to teaching people because you teach people and teach people and teach people for free. And then you say like, hey, I've organized everything that I've taught you into this little product. That's how you get scale. And I want to harp on that. That's your favorite thing to say. And I think it's so true. Is like you post fantasy content for free all over the place. People will pay just to have it organized. So if you're delivering valuable stuff and you organize it, that is a paid product people will definitely shell out cash for. Yes, sir. Numero one. Number one, start a business. So that is taking a product and creating a business out of it. And I think that's the future of the creator economy. I think that is how you get true equity in this stuff. So if we want to go through next steps, affiliate, start with underdog. Second, sell betting tips or maybe something along those lines. Number one, start a sports book, right? That is the penultimate goal, in my opinion. Now, that's not easy. And you want to talk about 0.1% of people are going to be successful creators. 0.1% of people are going to be successful entrepreneurs as creators using their following. But to me, that is the top way to monetize. You can go and you can have, you know, 100% equity, 80% equity in million, billion dollar companies. Yeah, I think I think that is the monetization option that gives you the highest ceiling for sure. Like you can become a millionaire, billionaire off of something like that. It's an extremely tough path to actually get there because you need need leverage network wise, 
monetarily, financially, like all those things in order to get there. But if you can, you know, in like five years, 10 years or whatever, that's definitely a path that I could see myself taking. My number one was a subscription, just straight up subscription, whether you do it monthly or yearly. What I've seen work really, really well for a lot of creators is they offer, it's very similar to like Patreon and you figure out what it is exactly that you're offering to them. Uh, it could be a private episode each week. It could be a million different things. Like for us personally, we offer our fantasy rankings, our weekly in-season rankings, which we don't put out anywhere else except through our membership site. So you have to sign up and a successful way is like you could do it by week, you could do it by month, or most people do it by month, but you can give a discounted price, you know, 10 months, the price of 10 months for a year. Mm -hmm. There you go. You just locked in like 10 months worth of subscription. What this also does gives you a lot of customizability in terms of like safety. You know what to expect monetarily week in, week out, month in, month out. So if you know you're making $3,000 a month off this product, Mm -hmm. you know, you could start doing things that you try to raise that floor a little bit, but you also know exactly you're never really going to have something that dips from, Hey, we're making $3,000 a month. Like next month, we just made $200 off that for the most part. As long as you keep delivering. Yeah. Like I'm not, yeah, not even to be scummy, but like the way that most things work, we stopped using Patreon years ago, like two years ago at this point, I think we still get like a $500 check each month (laughs) from Patreon because people just don't cancel. People don't, go through the trouble of like having to figure out how to cancel. Yeah. They would ri- literally rather give you $10 a month than figure out how to cancel that subscription. $200 do it. Yeah. a year. Yeah. We are, we're all that. That's why the floor is so high because most people don't cancel unless you do something that's like outright, like egregious. Mm-hmm. They're, normal state of mind is to just stay and like not really care about it. So you'll never dip down from 3000 to like $200 a month. If anything, it'll go from like 3000 to 2800 And you can say, hey, maybe we offer a discount. You want a, a free month trial or whatever. And then after that, you could choose whether to stay on or whatnot. But I think it's a really, really safe way. And I think it's a really, really good way to slowly build up and you could figure out because you form a community in there, right? You give them private access to you. You give them like a community that only the strongest fans are a part of. So you're not only building your brand for your strongest fans, but you're slowly increasing your revenue. And if you can get to a point where you're like full-time off subscriptions, there will never really be a year where you're not at that floor realistically, mm-hmm. right? If you can get to a point where you're doing 45,000, 55,000 in a year in subscriptions, the next year you're probably going to be at 70 and then 80 and yeah. then you can mix I, in other I think forms of monetization. The, the types of subscriptions, right? Like gambling tips or stock market advice, that stuff, that will just waver with the market. But if you're delivering valuable information that isn't related as much to a market, cooking stuff, you know, fantasy stuff, which will always be. But that is kind of related. If your fantasy ranking sucked, then people probably unsubscribe. Uh, I'm not subscribed, so I don't know how they are. But as I look at mine. They're not good. I, subscriptions on the <laughs> As I look at my top three, right? Get a job creating that pays you and grows you. Sell a product, start a business. I feel like Matthew Barry like did this path. And so it wasn't who I had in mind, but got a job at ESPN, blows him up, creates his brand, starts, you know, a newsletter, starts then eventually an app. And now the fantasy life is kind of his own fantasy business yeah he's done it bro he's been in the game for a long time yeah he's experimented he's a grinder. experimented with a lot he's grind he's grinding the whole time too yeah you gotta love it scott asks had a question is there a max size you'd both want to see your teams grow to to avoid becoming big media fuck big media <laughs> so right now we have uh we have six people on the team full-time and we have probably like a handful maybe probably like two or three other throughout the year that are like contractors that help us out with other things. The max size, I don't, I, I wouldn't have a max size number on it, but as we've experimented with different things, I've started to realize what we do and don't need. Like the next bunch of hires for us will be 
hopefully another developer. All right, because I've talked about wanting to bridge the gap between being a good marketing company and being a software company. Mm -hmm. If you have those two things, you can kind of unlock the world for yourself. We're very strong at the content stuff, at the media stuff. We're very weak at the development stuff. Um, and those are the easiest things to productize pretty much, right? Because not there's not a lot of smaller brands that have the ability to like build a lot of tools and products mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I also probably need a another creator that dives specifically into things that I are, think are hooked with monetization. So right now we're doing a lot of like lifestyle stuff. And we're doing a lot of stuff to just like build our brands and personality. And I know that will play itself out over the long run. It'll be good for us down the line. But right now we need more monetary focus. Like I would love to hire someone who's full-time just for dynasty content because mm -hmm. that's like a money pit for us right now. I can't do that all the time throughout the off season and stuff. So for me, it would be like one or two more content creators, one more developers are extremely expensive to hire. So they're like kind of unrealistic outside of raising money or making a shitload of money. So I'd like to hire another developer. And then there's other things that are probably contracted. Like I'd like to have a designer, but like we, I don't know what we would do with a full-time designer. Cause it's not like we're selling merch at like a crazy volume. Yeah. It's not like we need all these things. It's kind of like, I wish I had someone there that I could just be like, Hey, you know, for this week, I just want like one or two designs for this. I would like to have someone working full-time on the bash next year. So I think we'll probably have an intern that like completely just overlook like a community or project manager mm -hmm. for that. So I, I think like, but once you get there, you're at 10 people, right? Hypothetically, do you I think, think you're done? No, definitely not. I know when I get there, I'm going to be like, okay, we right. need this, then this, and this. Here's this project. Yeah. yeah. But I think as as you look at the market, right, and people were scaling with speed because they were successful and they could add those things. So I think keeping it tight is beneficial. Keeping it tight will, yeah. Like when I talk about those, I don't have any plans to hire anybody in the near, as, as long as the market is down right now, right. I have no plan on spending extra luxury money well, on Labor people. is cheaper over time until you know, you kind of scale potentially too quickly or the market takes a downturn. Then you just want to pay someone a thousand bucks to design four t-shirts instead of having them on full time. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, it's tough. Is there a max size you want to both see your teams grow to? My answer would be 10 people. Yeah. That 10 to 15 range. I, I, I don't, I don't, I just have never had, maybe I need them. Maybe I need them. And I, I, you know, I've said before, I admire that, like, you've got this long-term vision. At 10 people, that's just so many people, so many lives. You know, we well, probably do Let me so ask much. you, like, you're in a different spot because you guys don't have, like, the office space yeah. yet. Yeah. Would you rather hire, like, two more people or get an office space? Uh, that We talked about this this week, actually. It would have to be both. Like, I'm only hiring two creators if we're in an office space, right, where we could actually do stuff. There's no point in But would you get an office space without hiring them? No. 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 Okay. There's, there's just no – it wouldn't be worth it because, you know, Alex is in L.A., Riley's in – True. You know, it, we're only two of us here, so – but it's worth it for Casey. Casey's like, I, I need to work in an office. You know, once we're done traveling, he doesn't want to work from home every day. So, uh, you know, we'll lay off 25% of our staff in the spring. I can't wait to make announcements <laughs> like that going forward. <laughs> yeah, I think 10 to 15 is probably the right mark for me. But yeah, again, I've always found like ambitiously with these projects financially, uh, any sort of goals we set. It's like once you get there, it's like, okay, like that was cool. But like, let's keep going. You yeah, know? It's, a, it's more about the process. It's more about like reaching for something. It's more yeah. about like having that thing that you're trying to attain. Because like, it makes no sense if we're like, hey, we want to get a team of 10. And then we get there and it's like, okay, now what? You know? Well, how do you inspire? You know, how are you going to inspire the people if they're not doing anything? Yeah. All right. Scott asks, you mentioned spending 10 grand on a tailgate suite and paying to go to every Monday football game. Can you guys compare, contrast BDGE versus snapback budget spend for a month? And if you set any targets for spending to ROI, do you have a monthly budget? 
No. Um, do you I feel can, like I can answer are? the expenses one. Um, I don't know what we're making, to be honest. I kind of went into this office space in this year, these next two years, mm-hmm. with like a we're sending it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we're going to send it and see where we land at yeah. the end of it without expectations of, because I knew how much investment was going to go into this year. So the office space, rent, electricity, Wi-Fi, that shit is 7500 a month. Our salaries combined, I want to say are maybe 20, I think it's like, I think our expenses are about 30K a month. Okay. 30K a month outside of stuff that we bought for the space originally. Like we have all the technology, we have all the software. I guess software expenses are probably like close to 3,000 maybe a month as well. And now's the point where like, I don't, I'm not buying extra random equipment. I'm not buying all this like random stuff to put the office up because we're like at a place where we have a foundation for it. Mm -hmm. Income wise, we have deals set up that are year long. We have deals set up that are monthly. At this point, I want to say we're basically break even every single month. Mm -hmm. Like the money that goes out, the 30K, basically comes in, which gives me not necessarily a shelf life. We've had a couple months as usual, July, August, September, where it's not break even, Mm -hmm. where it's pretty significantly over the expenses. So we'll bring in, I think we had uh, a month or two, I think August, we might've brought in like 150K on to, except for uh-huh. on top of like the 30 or whatever. So that gives us a little bit of wiggle room for savings. My mindset, again, with this possible recession that we're in it, that mm-hmm. might be coming is, okay, if we don't sign deals where we're seeing $30,000 come in a month, which is a significant fucking <laughs> amount of money, how much runway do we have? Right. Right. And like those expenses eat up fucking quickly. Mm-hmm. So right now, again, I, I went into it knowing that we would have the money to be made that would put us at break even. So I'm not going to, and this might be naive, this might be stupid of me, I'm not going to stress necessarily about, you know, we need to cut down here a little bit, we need to make a little bit more over here. I want to see how this thing plays itself out from like a feel and energy minorly, monetarily, but like realistically, I know we're okay for the next like six months. And you'd like to hope the investments will continue to help grow those things. But that, that I think is our monthly expense. And that's the way I'm looking at it is like a very, it's, it's, it's the way I've always, I think operated from like a, a feel standpoint being like, this feels right. And I think it will play itself out in the long run. Okay. Our year was tricky. We incorporated to start the year. We had contracted employees. We had Alex taking a percentage because snapback was just kind of me. Yeah. You know, nine months later, we've got three employees. He's contracted because he's running the agency. Agency is a separate business. Uh, legal fees. You know, we had a three month stretch where I think I paid 30 grand in legal fees. Right. Yeah. I don't fucking email my lawyer anymore. Uh, I kind of just like put that into the expenses too. Cause we no, had like, we had is. like the BDG three, I guess exactly. that, that was like a hundred grand in revenue. And then like the, but the lawyer, yeah, all that yeah, bullshit yeah. is crazy. Uh, so I, I don't have a budget because we're, you know, we have audience, so we don't really have to market, which now, you know, if we've made money, we should reinvest that money if we're not doing it via an office or, you know, content was a, I said it would cost 50K to do Snapback Mondays, but we're not tied to that. And I actually think it'll come in way under that. Um, the first thing that I've ever thought of, of kind of creating a budget and a plan for uh, is Snapback Kitchen. So our arrangement with Pop Chew is a split rev share. They have a little bit of budget, uh, you know, from a top line, but they've got different 
different brands under their company, right? So I'm like, I want to invest in this thing. Like, I want to build this. I think this could be huge for our brand. So I'm like, if we dedicate 150 grand to the brand in 2023, meaning I think we should hire someone full time to run Snapback Kitchen. So everything that comes with that, 70, 80 grand maybe, you know, to to pay them for that. So the remaining $80,000 would be like seven grand a month uh, over 2023. That could go to NIL deals. That could go to, you know, paying to be sponsored on Ike's Lunch, which we have never done before, (laughs) just free advertising. Uh, It could be, you know, paying men on the street people to go hand out coupons. I don't know what it is, but that feels like something that maybe we could commit budget to. Um, Expenses, I'd say, are around a similar, you know, they just fluctuate. And that is the thing about business is the thing definitely about being a creator is your money. Like we haven't been, uh, things are net 60, net 90. So like our Snapchat revenue you know, we're owed 60 grand right now. Not like owed, it's just they pay out two months later. So if you don't kind of have those cash reserves, then you can't sustain. But that's kind of like, I don't really create budgets. Um, we just it, don't it's something up. I think we're both going to need to do within the next <laughs> yeah. year or two years. It's, it's something I've thought to, about. It's a hard lot to measure ROI on social. Like if you budget right for the office and you had set goals, you would have never thought like, oh, Ike's lunch would have come from this, right? Yeah. And but that I goes think, back to the mindset I have. Like we're just going to send it for the year and see right. where we land at the end of exactly. it. You know? But I go into that not under budgeted. Like I would never go in that mindset right, right. being like, we have, you know, $10,000 to our name. We're going to make sure we make it all up as we go. It's like, no, no, no. I have the high level amount that yes. I know might trickle all the way down to zero, but I'm okay with that to see what happens yeah. on the other side. Never go the the other route. Yeah. And I talked about it with like being, a, if you want to be a full-time consecrator, work full-time, save up for 18 months of mm-hmm. runway and then send it. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Don't do the opposite because that will never work. It's the same way I operate the personal content as I do. Right. Because if you didn't have that shelf life or you didn't have the opportunity to give it six months, then you might be like, shit, we got to cut someone. We gotta or, cut and we got to stop doing Ike's lunch. Ike's gone. Right. And then Ike just found out right now he got fired. They all fucking just got fired. That's like, yeah, that's the other tough part about it is we're all so like close. Like mm-hmm. this, this, it, it, we're at a point where it feels like this all doesn't work unless all of us are here yeah, right yeah. now. And I wonder if every business, business, every owner, every Definitely small business not. owner feels that way. No, you don't think no, so? No, no, Really? Yeah. Oh, damn. I, I no, like people are ruthless. 100%. I literally feel like if, if I had to cut someone from it, it would feel like we're a body and I'm cutting off an, a full yeah. arm or a full leg yeah. or the head or something like that. No matter which person I took out of the equation, which is why I, we won't fail. You know, like I won't let that fucking happen. It yeah. goes back to the hard work. Like, I'll get to the point where like, okay, maybe I'm not working hard enough, but like I'll work for the next six months mm-hmm. without sleeping <laughs> to make sure that we're in a spot to succeed. And I know I have that drive in me, which is why I, I'm like kind of comfortable knowing that shit might get real, but I'm like, I'm, I'm fucking built for this. You know what I mean? Like I will grind <laughs> Like if through. you had to start over in six months, you think you'd be good. Start over. Yeah. Like, describe that. What do you mean by that? You know, this doesn't go to plan. Your YouTube channel gets shut down. You don't have employees. You just have your Twitter, Instagram, and everything you've learned. I don't have my employees. You don't have the office. I don't have YouTube. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have nothing but like TikTok. And yeah. My personal TikTok? Yeah. Okay. Um, I 100% realistically... I would have to, I would get a job, a real job. Yeah. I would do exactly what I've been saying. I would get a real job. I would save up for another year and a half while making content on my free time. Yeah. From five to nine, five to fucking two in the morning. Mm-hmm. I would make as much content as I possibly could, build that back up, 
I would I would take the exact same fucking route I did eight years yeah. ago when I started this shit again. And I think that's real. That was a very real reaction, and that's why I wanted to ask that question because we're sitting on top of a incredible floor right now. The floor could disappear, right? Platforms change, audiences move on. Mm-hmm. You know, shit happens. But I think it's like we're very honest with how we would go about it. We're not offering up advice of like, nah, just you have 10 grand, go for it, send it. No, that's not what you should do. I, the, the thing that would be different for me, I would, I would not do, well, I could probably do it through fantasy stuff on YouTube, I think, or on TikTok. It's probably much easier to build it up that way. I would do content like this mm-hmm. by myself. I would do business and creator focused content. And the same way I built up fantasy, just by giving value for two years. And then at the end of two years, depending on the audience size, I would say, hey, I'm doing, uh, here's a membership that I want you to be part of. Here's yeah. a newsletter that I'm going to write each week. I'm going to take on 10 creator clients that you guys pay me $100 a month. Mm-hmm. You know, that that would be my exact path. And I would start again, like year one, maybe I made 30 grand, year two, 70 grand, year three, 200 grand. You know, like it would be the same path that I took earlier on, but it would be, it would be a killer. Obviously it'd be fucking <laughs> gut wrenching. Yeah. Um, and I guess the way I look at it on a personal level too, and this is, I don't want to say fucked up, but I know as, as long as like the audience isn't ripped out from underneath me, mm-hmm. right? Like this all goes to shit. The office doesn't work. I have to cut all the guys together as a personal creator. We still have a big audience. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still going to be able to monetize enough for me to live on my own by myself as a full-time content creator. Like I'll make 60 grand a year next year off of a hundred thousand person YouTube audience right. pretty fucking easily. So worst case scenario, I just go back to, you know, living a little bit more humbly, but like the dream of this goes crashing down, which is obviously way worse than anything yeah. else happening. And and I just want to close different point, but this is why being a creator, we encourage all our clients get equity Find a way to start a business that can live without your audience. Use it while you have it, right? While you're hot, go do your thing, but like capitalize because some people, this is very realistic scenario. You know, Steve will do it, right? Seven million or whatever he lost subscribers. I don't know what he's doing now. Big enough. He'll be okay. Like you mm-hmm. said, he's got that floor, but that changes, you know, your it situation. goes back to your lifestyle. It's like if, if you get, if you get used to the 7 million subscriber type lifestyle, which is yeah. an extravagant one, you know, for me, the only thing, the only only experience I need is this here. Like, I won't have, a, I don't, I don't have a car. You know what I mean? Like I don't lose the things that I don't care about. Yeah. Right. Like if you're, if it's that big and you're living out in LA, it's like, okay, maybe you can't live in a mansion. Maybe you can't drive a Lambo around. Maybe you don't have the jewelry. Maybe you're not this, that. And the other thing, like for me, I don't give a fuck about any of that <laughs> stuff. So it's like losing this would be the thing that like right. scrapes me down to the bottom. Yeah. One hour and four minutes. I think it's a record for us. That's going to be all for this week's episode of big content. If you're listening via podcast, subscribe. If you're on the YouTube channel, do the same thing. Leave us a rating and review if you're on the podcast. I think. I don't know if we leave have. us a comment. Comments are cool. Comments are definitely cool. We get a couple of those. <laughs> Every once in a while, we get a couple of them. Uh, yeah, but thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Do you just think everyone's lazy? Not everyone, but a F ton of people. Since COVID. Yeah, 100%. Work from home. And it's fine. Like, you don't need to work a million percent all the time. But the people who do, I think, are simply ahead. It's kind of crazy because I feel myself being a little bit lazier recently. 100%. I've gotten complacent. I mean, we had the conversation last week about complacency. And... And I'm not saying like I'm going to go, you know, psycho mode work 4,800 hours a day. But I really think like the famous quote, 
hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I think that the hard workers out there, that pool has become you think, much You smaller. think it happened during COVID because everybody got, like, rich quick, and they're like, whoa. Everyone got rich quick. You could buy pictures of monkeys and make $100,000, work from home so you weren't under someone's domain. You're on your own creator economy. Like, creators work harder than anyone I know. Well, the problem is if something comes to you easily, you have no attachment to it. When you have an attachment to something, it's it gives you a much bigger, better, stronger connection or uh, trying to think of the right word for this. But like when things come easy, a lot of things came easy during COVID because things were handed to us. Like yes. the American economy was just kind of handed to us. And once you get there, it's almost like, you know, we talked about it with like deals. Like once you get to a certain number mm-hmm. for a deal, you're like, I don't really go below that now. And and I think a lot of people took that mindset where it's like, it came this easy to me. So why would I work harder now exactly. for less money? But yep. the economy is kind of like pulling you back to a spot where you need to. Uh, I guess I, f- I feel that in some senses. I think maybe... I look back on when I was younger, you know, like 20, 21, 22, and I was like, my work ethic was impeccable. Like, That's you would not, yeah, you wouldn't find me slacking ever, right? My eyes were bleeding by the end of the day every single fucking day. I think now I've gotten to a point where I don't necessarily work as hard for as long, but I think... But, I, you're, I but your work ethic still shits on 99% of people. For sure. I think a lot of people are fucking lazy. I'm, I'm kind of like tossed on that because no i i'm not i i was for a period what about of the time. people you work with that work for you alex is one of the hardest working people i know that's why we get along i feel as a business owner and leader and and this is legally and taxes and like i'm not you know no one can work overtime at our company unless i want to pay time and a half because they're non-exempt or however it works and so i'm like reluctant to give people work on the weekend and and really wait I, what yeah like, I, that's how my mind works. I'm like, no, look, so from a legal standpoint, you guys work on hourly wages? No, on salary. But you're still, your employees are only supposed to work 40 oh, hours a week. That's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> We're what in I'm here saying. seven days a week. Regardless, Alex works his ass off. My brother is working his ass off because he's required to, like, just the travel is essentially working his ass off. Riley, our social media guy, works his ass off. But still, like... They do what they're told and they, you know, they, well, that's, that's, I think a lot of it where it stems from is like, I agree. I don't think you really understand a person's work ethic until you're with them Mm -hmm. for eight hours a day, which I am with these guys every single day. I think it comes in spurts myself personally as well. I found when I have something to be working towards my work ethic, naturally, obviously, because you're passionate about the project, it doesn't feel like work anymore. Mm -hmm. Your work ethic increases like tenfold. So as leaders, I think one of the biggest things is to make sure that we're working on things that are actually inspiring us Mm -hmm. because you don't have to have a high threshold for work ethic if you're working towards something that is inspiring to you or that you are passionate about because again like the work ethic comes easy you like to you like to do work on things that you fucking like Mm -hmm. so i think a lot of that comes back to us as leaders if you're building out a team is to make sure people are on the same page and make sure people are working towards the same thing because if things get monotonous like of course you know the work ethic goes down because it's like i don't even know what I'm doing. Like people need purpose, you know, yeah. that's why yeah. I think a lot of it comes back to that. And well, that's why no one's working hard because no one, they, they don't have these goals anymore. They, they have like, them. Fuck it. A pandemic hit. Exactly. And then they're like, fuck it. Like rent's expensive. And then they're like, I would like to have money, but no one, no one I know. I mean, not no one. The majority of people are like, God, I would love to have money. I want the second house. I want, so work your fucking ass off. But like that does not happen today. It, it genuinely does not happen in front of my face. Now there's always a balance, right? Cause burnout's real. Relationships are real. There's way more to life than just work. I 100% understand that. It is very rare to find someone who really works there. You know what? 
uh, those are the people that are turning. Those are the people. No, no, no. I mean, you have, yeah. I, I've always agreed with that. I think yeah, yeah. most people are very lazy. Most people want things to come easy to them. And yeah. as someone who I feel like hasn't taken that path, like I, res- I just respect people that are really, really hard work. I put work ethic over the top of the list, everything when it comes to respect. Like I, I respect, there are people that inspire me. That most of the people that inspire me are actually like well underneath where I am in terms of a lot of uh, wherever I like numbers, whatever you want to look at mm-hmm. people that inspire me, the ones that are grinding their fucking face off. Right. Right. Because I see that and I'm like, that's what you have to do in order to get here. The people that are above you usually slow down a little bit. So like, it's cool that they got there, but the people that inspire me are the ones that I see passionate with really high work ethics. And I'm like, it's hard. I know how hard it is to be in that every single day, every single week, every single month. And it adds up over like a few years. Like even myself, I find very, very little inspiration in the fantasy football industry. Mm-hmm. The dudes that I find the most inspiring are the little ones. The dudes yeah. with like a thousand subscribers on YouTube. Right. I'm like respect because I know fucking hard that is. No, but respect to Matt Barry, right? He could have retired, right? And then he's on the road every week at the studio. Like it's it's so obvious who the I, I respect anyone are. who's got there. No, no, no but, yeah. but there are people who have sure. gotten there and they've, they've slowed down. Like over that, he doesn't slow down and he owes me 50 bucks for that plug over uh, the lazy piece of shit. <laughs> there's there's also a part of the pandemic that i think softened us up and that obviously contributes to the the work ethic because look it was very real people got sick lives changed jobs were lost and i think like people took a step back and they were like you know what my job didn't give a fuck about me no matter how hard i worked so i'm not going to work as hard you also have but like- the people who work their ass off they, i guarantee they didn't get let go or they got a job in you a, also have an influx of people on like social that romanticize their life and like oh i just work like three hours a week and i yeah. just do this and that yeah. and you see how rich i got or see how many followers i got and a lot of people are like fuck why can't i just have that and then when you continue to think that to yourself it like erodes you it's a little bit of a, a yes. poison inside yeah. of you and then it's hard for you to have a po- positive outlook on things and then when you don't have a positive outlook on things you're again you're not inspired you're not working mm-hmm. hard and towards things so um it is a tough spot right now i think but i don't think it is and the whole reason i bring this up is to hopefully deliver some inspiration or value to the to the audience to the listeners to our little family here is if you go work your ass off we'll make a bet on you like i would bet on you if you're gonna go work your ass off which is a good update on big content we discussed it when it first happened we probably had 50 60 70 people making clips i've actually like two would you say 50, 60, 70? Maybe. Like at the first. Making clips? The, the, initial, oh, oh. the initial outreach, right? I thought you meant right now we have no, that. No, like, that's we crazy. have one or two people now right. after exactly the four way, weeks. It's exactly the way that we thought it would work out. And like I kind of want to reward those people. I don't have to. I definitely don't have to. But like it's actually whoever runs Snapback Shorts. I don't know if it's Donald. I don't know who it is actually specifically. It is. is Whatever the bigger one, that's yeah, Donald. It's yeah. killing it. And like that. You could, if I, I wanna, need an I editor, convert like you're that, getting higher. I was thinking I want to convert that page into like the official yeah. big content TikTok page. It's great. So, and then even the ones that I post clip, I told him, I was like, yo, anything that I edit, I'm also going to send over to you because yeah. it will have more volume right, for right. you to push out for that. Um, I would like to, yeah, like to have one official page. And uh, I was just thinking of a couple different pieces of content that have that I've seen over the last couple of weeks that were like inspiring for me. There's one Kevin Gates. I don't know if you, you know, Kevin Gates, a yeah, rapper. Yeah. yeah. He, has, he has, he, he has a quote. It's like a really quick, like 15, 20 second quote. See, when you invest in something and you hustle and you work for something, you got a different type of attachment to it. 
Mm. You're going to have a cold day in hell for somebody trying to take this from you. We live by this. We die by this. We don't surrender. We don't retreat. Every man must search his own soul. But it's really about like the attachment. When you have, when you build something from nothing, it's like your attachment is so substantial that mm -hmm. in order for someone to take it from you, it's like they'd have to kill you to get right, it. Right, right. And you have to have, that's why it's so important to start from like nothing, grind your dick off to get there because you don't have the appreciation if you don't do that. And the other one I was thinking of when it comes to like hard work was like, you've seen the, the clip of Kobe. He's like, hey, if I get up at four and I train from four to six and then I got, and then I rest and then I train from nine to 10, nine to 11. Mm -hmm. And then he basically goes on to say like, he trains like four times in a day. These other dudes getting up at 10, train from 12 to two, rest, train from five to eight, whatever. Then they're done for the day. It's like, it doesn't matter what these, if you do that day in, day out, year in, year out, it doesn't matter how hard these dudes work during a summer. They might work their face off for an entire summer. He's like, I'm so far ahead of them because I've trained four times to their two times every single day over the 10-year span that you can't have these sprints that jump you ahead of me because I've been doing it for so long and I'm putting the work in every single day. So working hard is not just about the spurts. It's about the consistency showing every up day. every single day. Even if you're there and you're like, you can't put the 10 hours in, put a couple hours in because, again, those little things start to add up. I agree. It's it's the idea of like just go to the gym and you'll probably do something. But I think that's the negotiation with yourself that you that I actually started to internalize and say, you know, and use in my everyday life, which is like, you know, if that's your schedule, that's your schedule. If you are going to go commit to doing this every single day, like don't say, Well, I don't feel great, I'll do it for a couple hours. If you're sick, take a rest, maybe. But I don't know. I don't know if that is the best. The point is, like, just go work hard. Well, I find, yeah, I find days where I think you got to be smart about it. For instance, like, if uh, if there are days where I, I just slept like shit and I come into the office right. and I'm like, I, my brain's not working on a creative level that I need it to be to actually produce something good. Those are days I'll do, like, admin work mm -hmm. for, right? Those mm -hmm. are days I'll answer emails. Those are days I'll, like, put charts together that take absolutely no creativity from my brain to do so. So it's, it's about being smart. And, like, days you go to the gym, it's like rather than doing 60 minutes of, like, upper body, you could just do core for 15 minutes and mm -hmm. walk on the treadmill for 10. So there's like nuances to it. Yeah, maybe you're not sticking to your schedule, but I do think you can find ways to like, it's almost like you're looking at a big puzzle and you could put the big piece in, but there's also a little sliver piece mm -hmm. that needs to eventually be put in. So put that piece in on the day that that's the only strength that you could actually muster into. But I do think showing up every single day continues to add up over the long period of time.